Hello, everybody, and welcome to NCEA Podcast. This is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for NCEA, and welcome to this week's episode. We are blessed to have Emily Schumacher-Novak with us. Uh, she is the Assistant Director for Education and Outreach at the United States uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops, uh, and we are going to be talking about faithful citizenship and uh, the obligation of Catholics in terms of voting, and we have a little little election coming up in, in about three weeks that I know is on everyone's mind, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But first, welcome, Emily. Yes, thanks, Kevin. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, before we dive into the topics, Emily, just uh, describe your background a little bit. Um, we were talking about your time at Marquette, but uh, a little bit about your background. Yeah, so um, I, uh, I did my undergraduate work at Marquette University, and then I finished my graduate degree there as well. I have an MA in systematic theology from another uh, fine Jesuit institution, Marquette. So, um, And then I worked in Catholic higher education, accompanying young adults as they were really trying to understand their calling, who it is that they are called to be, and how do you sort of put that into conversation with their faith traditions, um, and given the gifts and talents that they were given and the needs of the world, you know, how do we bring those things together? And um, it was a real, it was a gift, a privilege to walk alongside those students for so many years. So I did that for about 10 years before coming to the USCCB. And now I have the, again, great privilege of working in the Department of Justice, Peace and Human Development for USCCB. And one of the projects I get to work on is forming consciences for faithful citizenship, as you mentioned. So we'll get to talk a little bit about the work that's going on there. That's great. Um, and I know uh, you've been doing some work with Kathy Mears, our interim president CEO, because we um, we were uh, contacted, I want to say maybe a month and a half ago by some superintendents in the country who who had concerns about the upcoming election in terms of the polarization in the country. And and so I know we're trying to create some some support resources for schools to to help guide them uh, in terms of what they're talking to their students about and their parents about. Um, during these these crazy times, so thanks for your your effort and work on that on that too. So I just want to start off. Um, I think most of our listeners probably know about faithful citizenship, but just a little bit about its history and what it is uh, and how it's intended to inform Catholics in the United States. Yeah, thanks. I am really excited to talk about this because um, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship is really a document that um, is meant to help Catholics think about their calling and how they're called to respond and put their faith, uh, bring the best of their faith tradition into the public square. And so I could talk about it for a long time. I promise I won't uh, get too much. Uh, we won't try to do it for too long, but um, it's really a, a good opportunity for us to think about um, where God calls us to be. So uh, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship is the most recent statement in a tradition that the bishops have issued every four years. They've issued a statement every four years, um, and it's either been issued or reissued since 1976. Um, and so just recently in 2019, the bishops decided to reissue their 2015 statement along with um, new scripts for five videos and an introductory letter, which highlights the importance of pressing issues in our society today. The five videos are, I think, really wonderfully done and um, are an opportunity for folks to look at all of the issues that are facing us as Catholics in the voting booth and um, to think about how it is that we are called to respond. Um, issues including migrants and refugees, protection of the unborn, racism, religious freedom, other issues um, that we all could probably name. 
Um, and it, the document really calls on Catholics to engage, um, not just on election day, and I think this is a really important point, but to talk about how do we do this on an on, in an ongoing way. Um, it tells us that we should think about how do we become deeply engaged in our communities? How do we um, need to highlight civil dialogue? And especially in a context where discourse is eroding at all levels of society, as the bishops say in the document. Um, and so really, it's a, it's a call to participate. It's a call to opt in instead of sort of stepping back. And I think the idea that we are called to form our consciences ahead of an election um, is really helpful, but it's also helpful to know that that's something that is a lifelong process. That's something that we continue to do over the course of our lives and, and year round as well. That's great. I'm assuming those videos you mentioned are available on the USCCB website for people who might be interested. Faithfulcitizenship.org, and it has a sister site in uh, in Spanish as well. I won't um, uh, try to uh, <laughs> to pronounce it because uh, I will completely butcher it. Um, but it, there are t they're both in English and Spanish. And actually, the videos were done in four languages this time: so English, Spanish, Tagalog, and Vietnamese. Um, and there are four sort of um, overarching issue areas, and then um, that talk about sort of like Catholic social teaching principles and how we're called to engage those. And then a fifth, the fifth video sort of um, brings all of those together. So if you wanted a compilation, that um, those were all put together in one as well. That's wonderful. I also um, love your comment about not just focusing during kind of the presidential election year. That's obviously on everyone's mind right now. But, you know, I was a superintendent in Los Angeles for 10 years and did a lot of trips up to Sacramento to talk to the state legislature in terms of issues that were impactful for Catholic schools and, and the Catholic Church. Um, and so I think that's, uh, I know, an important message in terms of issue advocacy and in terms of knowing your local legislator, maybe your local state senator, your local state representative in terms of that sometimes has bigger impact on a community than than maybe the more publicized presidential election, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it's really important to think about how um, how do we build those relationships with the folks who are making governmental decisions, especially at the local levels? And we know that policies that uphold human dignity and are important for Catholics to care about happen at all levels of government. And so how are we engaging in that in our communities? How do we know what are the issues are that are impacting our brothers and sisters, our neighbors next door, um, in addition to our neighbors who are in other parts of the country and other areas of the world? Those are all important things for us to sort of take into consideration. Um, and that's a great segue into this next piece, because we've heard some stories um, uh, of people advocating for a candidate over another one. So we have, obviously, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And we think about the presidential election, and some will say you have to vote for this candidate or no, you have to vote for this candidate. Um, how, do, how does the church really view this, um, this uh, advocacy in terms of we're not talking about individual politicians or even individual political parties that we really want to center on these issues and initiatives that that our faith tells us are very very important right yeah absolutely um, and I think that's a really important point about forming consciences for faithful citizenship and the teaching of the church we talk about values and principles. The teachings of Catholic social teaching are, is a rich tradition that helps us integrate the teachings and the values of our faith into the practical realities of our daily lives. And so really that's what we're helping folks do. We're thinking about 
how are these values and principles um, that we should care about and how should we care about them? What does that mean for us um, in a practical way? And so it's important that to know that faithful citizenship doesn't endorse one party or another or tell us who to vote for and that the church really is very committed to helping form consciences so that people can think about what are those practical realities? Um, how are they called to discern their, their response um, and, and be prudent in their application of the principles of of Catholic social teaching and other church teachings. Um, it helps us to look at the issues affecting our world today and what the church teaches on those topics. Um, I think to be really practical, it's important to also say that, you know, from um, a legal perspective, 501c3s as the church is, isn't permitted by law to express support for a particular party or candidate. Um, but we do express our support for issues. We protect the unborn, we protect migrants, we support families, we fight racism, you know, all of the issues that are important to us as Catholics that are outlined in informing consciences for faithful citizenship, I think, are important to, to pull into the discernment process. And we talk a lot about conscience formation. Um, and it's something that I, I continue to come back to that really helping um, myself and helping other Catholics think about what does it mean for me to have a well-formed conscience and how do I continue to engage in that process um, for and with you know, the documents of my church, my prayer life, where is it that God is calling me, um, and who is it that I'm listening to in that circle of, um, of our community, of our church community. It's almost a great little summary kind of mantra for us is that we should focus on issues and not individuals, right? Think about it in terms of what are the issues that we really feel are important. Um, and because because we have um, so much polarization in our country right now, I know our superintendents and our principals and our teachers are really worried about educating students because we want to teach them how to engage with those they might not agree with and have a, a constructive debate and a constructive argument even, but where you're talking about issues and not individuals. And so how are ways that maybe Catholic schools could really help with this? And obviously we're talking a little bit more long term. We're not going to solve this problem in weeks. But how do we start to have those conversations and teach students to engage on, a, on that level that we want to talk about issues and not individuals? Right. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And I, I think the um, Catholic schools have a really wonderful role to play in doing this. One of the um, things that I like to focus on is that idea that Catholics are politically homeless, that there's no party or candidate that fully represents all of the teachings of the church. Um, and, and so in many ways, we're called to walk that challenging path of prayer, discernment and listening. And that means that no matter what the outcome of any given election, local, um, regional, national, um, whether we were in favor of that candidate or not as individuals, um, I think helps us to think about um, that, that we're called to be actively engaged no matter what the outcomes of those elections are. So we are called to bring the best of our faith tradition um, into the public square and, to, and bringing it to the parties that are, are working, like you were talking about earlier, you know, how do we advocate for policies that uphold human dignity with our local state legislator or our city council representative? How do we make sure that all of the issues that we are um, working on or engaged on are, are being upheld and sort of looking at all of those things? I think for Catholic schools, there's lots of really, um, there's great material out there. Um, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship is a great starting place, but really using some of the resources on that website to help um, engage students in focusing in on human dignity, to really think about who are my brothers and sisters and how am I 
called to define that and um, to talk about every human person, every human uh, being is is afforded the the God given human dignity that um, we've all been um, blessed with. And so, how do we walk that path of understanding that there's going to be differences of opinion, and yet um, each one of us is a beloved child of God. And so, because of that belief in human dignity, um, it's really important for us to sort of keep that focus in on um, uh, walking with our brothers and sisters, especially in challenging moments, especially when there's this, this big partisan um, divide. And knowing that our, our Catholic faith calls us to see um, all of our brothers and sisters as, as what they truly are, as, as that beloved child of God. And I'm thinking with students, obviously, you, you can you can have some probably pretty good conversation in the classroom, and obviously it's all age appropriate. But um, And then what I start to think about are the parents, you know, because then the parents can get involved and they hear a snippet of some discussion that took place in the classroom and they get maybe, you know, upset or so I'm curious in your work with faithful citizenship, because obviously there's always some level of of disagreement and level of of argument, but it does feel particularly amped up now. Are there as the USCCB thinking about that in terms of the. I don't want to say unique, but really special circumstances in terms of this level of polarization, which does feel higher than than normal. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I, I would highlight as something that the bishops have been thinking about is Civilize It, civilizeit.org, um, which is a pledge for Catholics and all people of goodwill um, that was launched about a year ago ahead of this uh, national election, recognizing the very polarized uh, nation that we live in and saying to Catholics and others that we are called to more, that we have this rich tradition of focusing in on the human dignity, on the value of human dignity and knowing that that belongs to each person and that um, it's our responsibility to model that for our brothers and sisters. Um, And so the Civilize It is a pledge and it calls people to clarity, compassion, and civility, which I think are three really beautiful principles that um, everyone can uphold. And one of the pieces that I really appreciate is this idea that um, we're seeking to understand what someone else has said and sort of um, thinking instead, am I entering into this conversation trying to win or am I adjusting my posture, recognizing the human dignity of the person that I'm speaking with and seeking to understand where it is that they're coming from. And I think that idea that of really seeking to understand first can help um, de-escalate some situations, especially when we think our children are involved, right? Like I'm the parent of two young children. And uh, if I were to hear a snippet of a conversation that I wasn't sure about, or I was, um, I, I think could be very difficult or, or uh, unhelpful, um, I would think, how can I take a step and, and get more information so that I could hear from the teacher, you know, what was happening and how are you being inclusive of all of the, the fullness of Catholic teaching, as we say, um, that is really being brought to bear. And I think that that is really what our call is, is to think about how do we focus on the human dignity of, of our brothers and sisters. It's beautiful. I, you know, obviously was a I was principal before I was a superintendent, so dealt with parents a lot. And um, I used to tell them they'd come in and, you know, some the child would share something that took place in the classroom, and and they would almost act like they were there themselves. Like the teacher said this, or the other student said this. And I said, what you need to learn to do is to say, my child shared with me 
that this is what was said. Can you help clarify what exactly was said? And I sometimes think just our shifting of approach can help us to frame it because really what you're doing is you're hearing what your child said and your child's process through their own, you know, their natural processing. And so you've got to go in and say, this is what my child shared with me. Can I, can I find out exactly what happened? And that doesn't put the other person on the defensive right away. Yeah, I think one of the great gifts that Pope Francis brings to us is this idea um, that is not new in Catholic teaching, but he has sort of rearticulated it in many ways of building bridges, of building that culture of encounter. And really, I think that's what faithful citizenship can call us to is sort of how do we build bridges or build encounters with people um, who we might not normally interact with or who we are called to interact with on a regular basis who might have a slightly different lens or a different, um, maybe bring some different gifts to the table. And so that, you know, like you said, a adjusting our posture when we come in to recognizing that human dignity, um, both uh, of that person and of ourselves. I think those are all really important things. It's also important to know that we can only do that when we know what it is that we believe, you know, that the church has a really rich teaching and it's important for us to, to know what that is. Not that we have to know all the answers, um, but engaging in honest and authentic conversation, I think is important um, especially when we have done our homework a little bit to think about, um, oh, this is this is what I have learned, this is what I have been taught, and this is how I would like to share it with the world, um, and, and sort of holding fast to those truths as well. So um, um, it's such a wonderful message you're sharing. And, um, and I will say, I, I went and I, I saw civilizeit.org because um, I was looking up some things on you before the podcast, obviously. But I'm, I'm a little ashamed to maybe admit that I had never seen that before um, and, and wasn't aware of it. How do the bishops usually promote those types of things? Are they, do they just promote them kind of nationally, or does each individual bishop take it upon himself to pr- promote it within the diocese? Because I feel like that's a message that sh- we do need to hear more of and maybe, and maybe try to share more of at the, at the parish level uh, and the school level. Yeah, I think it's both. Um, so with Civilize It, we were really blessed that the uh, Archdiocese of Cincinnati had run a very similar campaign for the last few years, and they shared it with us, so we were able to nationalize it. And so, you know, yes, we put it out on our national channels and all of that, but then um, it is up to each individual bishop if he hears of this and is able to sort of implement it in his own diocese to share it with, you know, the leaders that he has, whether it's diocesan leaders who then share it with parishes, school leaders who then share it with all of their schools, um, you you know, it, it can happen in a variety of ways. And so I encourage folks that when they hear of it, if they haven't seen it, to then take it to the leaders in their own community and say, I've heard of this, I'm interested in it, you know, can we do something here? Because, you know, leaders, we we know leaders who have lots of information, but, you know, we don't know necessarily know that folks want to engage with, some, with something um, if there's not an interest level in it. And I can I can imagine that happening. Um, so the, the other thing about this election that's, um, that's anticipated is that we might not know on, on election night, uh, who wins and that might even be a few weeks later because of, um, obviously with COVID-19 and a lot of people voting by mail that we might get results, um, later than normal. And so, uh, and there's also this fear in some ways that that period of uncertainty might, might have violence attached to it, or obviously people very much not accepting maybe what what the true result is, or they'll they'll look at different time frames in terms of results. Um, and again, this is not something we've necessarily had, uh, at least to the degree it's it's there now in the past. Is there something in in faithful citizenship or or the approach from the bishops that really address this idea of 
acceptance and grace and understanding that, you know, uh, if, uh, if a candidate loses an election, then that's okay. We, we accept it and we move on. Yeah, I think, um, I think in particular, uh, the approach of Catholic social teaching, the approach of the church can be really helpful here. We have this great lens, this great um, set of language to help us think about the long term or the long view. Um, and I think first and foremost, we start with prayer and we start with knowing the power of our faith tradition and to know that um, that really it is God who saves us, not our political parties, and that we are brothers and sisters um, no matter who our, our, our president and who our leaders are. So I think that that sort of like pulling back from um, wherever it is that we find ourselves to remember that it is God who calls us home, that it is God who saves us um, and, and, and gives us all the good gifts in the world, that, that that's a really helpful place to start. I think a, a bit more practically too, to think about um, the lens of the long history of the church, that again, we are called to active participation no matter what happens on election day, that whoever our leaders are, we are called to hold them accountable. Um, and it helps us to get involved, to think about where it is that we can use our gifts and talents to help alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters, to help address injustice, to help uphold human dignity in all of the ways um, that we are called to do that around the world. Um, our, human, our commitment to human dignity extends long before and long after election day, both sort of in the historical sense, right, in the very long view, but also in our sort of day-to-day -day ongoing uh, lives that I think that when our particular candidate, whoever it is that we decide in our individual lives um, to, to work for or to vote for, we are called to, to call, to lobby, to build relationships, to work for the common good, and to thinking about that common good as um, as really as broad as how as all of the issues that are named in forming consciences for faithful citizenship um, and to know that um, there's great ways that the church does this in really practical practical everyday sort of ways. I think one example, if I can share one, is the action of the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, which is the anti-poverty program of the U.S. bishops. And um, the CCHD, as we call it, Catholic Campaign for Human Development, funds more than 200 low-income-led organizations around the country. And those organizations um, organize people who are experiencing injustice of some kind, low-income, um, you know, what it, whatever it is, to solve the problems um, of their communities. And that uh, we as church are sort of like called to engage in those in those issues of injustice. And so when the Catholic Campaign for Human Development is working on a, a particular issue that it engages and advocates for their issue, whether it's um, you know immigration reform or um, low-income housing, um, any number of sort of long-term issues that address systemic injustice, those things happen um, and, and those activities continue before and after election day. Um, so at advocacy and engagement um, to, to support issues and programs that are beneficial to, um, to our brothers and sisters are all really important to sort of keep in our mind that those sort of go a long ways um, and not just on or around election day. Um, and I think that that can be really helpful, especially as we enter this time of uncertainty, you know, to know that we build our communities together and we do that through through building that culture of encounter that Pope Francis speaks about so eloquently. That's so it's beautiful. That's that's great. Thanks, Emily. Um, so one of the things and I don't know, if, I don't know, this is not really a faithful citizen. I don't know if it's addressed because it's not 
necessarily uh, externally political or, or secularly political. But one of the th- things that I worry when I see these disagreements in political terms is that it also shows a cleavage within the church sometimes. And we have people who, and again, I don't like to use these terms, but like conservative Catholic versus maybe a more liberal Catholic or a traditional Catholic versus a more progressive Catholic. And, um, and, and I always get really concerned because I feel like our church should never be put in those categories, that we need to think of ourselves as on this continuum more than in these camps. And so I'm curious about the bishops and their approach to that in terms of, you know, the external political world, we have Republican Party, Democratic Party, but we don't ever want to see that within the church. And is there concern about that from the bishops in terms of how we engage within church um, with those who might come with a theologically slightly different view than than maybe our own? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Um, I uh, I can't speak on behalf of all of the bishops by, by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think anyone can, Emily, so you're okay there. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it's important for us to think, like you said, sort of on a on a continuum and to to remember that um, our brothers and sisters who we disagree with might be across the aisle or across the country or across the dinner table or in the pew next to us. And that no matter what, there are brothers and sisters that these are also beloved children of God and that it can be really hard to engage in those kind of conversations to understand sort of what civilize it is calling us to that idea that really the, the focus on human dignity, the focus on seeking to understand um, is really what we should be doing, especially within our church to think about how are we, um, how are we really building bridges like we've been talking about? How are we seeking out um, different experiences that we might not normally have access to or might not normally sort of in the course of our lives come across? So how is it that we sort of go out of our way to engage in a conversation with someone who has a different perspective or who has a different experience with us? Um, And to do that in a way that focuses, again, on the issues and talks about how is it that you came to that understanding? How, tell me more. You know, asking a question first and thinking truly, how is it that I, um, I, how am I approaching this conversation? Is it is it truly to understand or is it to change my change someone's mind? And maybe my own heart and mind will be um, impacted as well. Why I love that message and that response is that uh, it, it puts the onus on the individual to individually seek that person out right and to and to know that that's that's on you and then when individuals all respond that way then you start to see collective change right then you start to see a parish change or or different groups change or organizations within a school change so but the onus is really on the individual to really approach this with good faith and and a good heart and knowing that the other person's approaching it uh in the same way Sometimes we'll get into conversations where, you know, not, not both parties are ready or, or truly open and, and honest about the conversation or are ready to have that. And I think that that's something different. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about civil dialogue. We want to make sure that there isn't space for, um, you know, discriminatory or hateful language that doesn't uphold the human dignity of people or whole groups of people. And to make sure that that's to be really clear when we're talking about civil dialogue, that those are not the kinds of conversations that we're talking about, but those who are really interested and, and um, able to engage in a, in a conversation in an authentic way. 
um, that are open to the having the conversation and hearing different perspectives. And, and and you're right. I think it does put the onus on the individual, um, and it can feel hard too to know that or to to make that step. It, it requires a little bit of vulnerability from uh, the individual, from us as as people, um, to engage in something that's new or a little bit scary. And I think that that's okay. I think it's important to remember that it is God who loved us first, and that God who loves us most deeply, and that sort of we're going to make mistakes in in making this progress together. Um, but that's okay too. Yeah, that's great. Finally, um, we talked a little bit about this, about um, how do you do this maybe at the local level, but what would you suggest to a Catholic school community that wants to advocate for a position? And we could talk about parental choice, for example, because that's impactful for Catholic schools, but it could be any any local issue. What would the advice be in terms of you have a parent group or a, or a, maybe a parish group that wants to start to advocate and to and to promote that what would the steps be that uh, that they should they should look to take initially i think that's a great question i think um doing some conscience formation to sort of think about where it is that um, our group is, what is it that we're advocating for and why, what is the sort of foundation of that, what do we believe? Um, and I think when you when we talk about big issues, it's important to remember that in our communities, um, faithful citizenship teaches that even those who cannot vote have the right to have their voices heard on issues that affect their lives and the common good. And I think in schools, that's a really good example. You know, kids aren't able to vote yet. And so um, how is it that we have a responsibility as those who are able to vote to bring those issues that affect our brothers and sisters, our children um, into into conversation? And so knowing what it is um, and why it is that we're doing this work, um, I think is, a, is an important place to start. Um, and so the conscience formation, reading the documents, thinking about um, what is our commitment to common good. Those are all really great examples. Um, and then I think building that relationship, sort of thinking about who is it that I know or who do we as a group have access to that um, has the ability to make some decisions that can help um, change the course or help address the systemic injustice or um, help you know promote this policy that we really care about. Um, and, and sort of using our collective um, power as a group is really important um, and thinking about you know how to individually, yes, we have an impact and a voice and we can call our legislators and we can um, vote and we can um, send letters and we can organize letter campaigns, you know, all of the sort of organizing things that happen um, that require individuals, but they also require people to be organized as a group too. And so sort of thinking about what is it that we want and being really clear and identifying the steps that we could take to get that get there. But I think recognizing that that really often happens through the building of relationships and that it's important for us to be open to that conversation that we're um, that we're having with folks. I also think forming um, our kids and doing that, you know, we're talking um, with schools and school administrators a lot. And we have this really great program called Creating on the Margins, which is an art contest that helps um, teach young kids, um, grades seven through 12, about some of the issues of poverty affecting the United States and sort of what is it that we are called as Catholics to do about that. And it's an art contest, so it's sort of a different way for students to engage in that. And so I think thinking about um, what are the ways that we can both be engaged as adults and um, as citizens, as voters, but then also who are the other voices that need to be involved in this conversation? Maybe they're kids as they're learning and watching us do this, and then maybe it's those who don't have the right to vote for uh, whatever reason um, and thinking about that. That's great. Uh, and that and thanks for sharing about that project. I'm sure we have uh, people listening who might uh, have some students who would love to participate in that. Um, 
Emily uh, Schumacher-Novak, thank you so much for being a guest. I have to say, um, your description of your work is just uh, is incredible, and, um, and you're clearly passionate about it, which is so wonderful, and it's just so needed in our world today, and, uh, and we need our church, obviously, to, to be there um, as kind of a foundational rock for us to, to know um, we've got that support to have those conversations, to, have the, to build those relationships, to, to make sure we're reaching out to one another um, in peace um, so we can have these good, good dialogues, but obviously um, be loving and, 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 um, and friendly throughout. So Emily, thanks again so much for being a, a guest. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me and thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit more about, you're right, I'm very passionate about this rich tradition of the Catholic social teaching and the gospel message that um, comes to us in our faith tradition and how we put it into practice because that's what we're called to do. It's it's important to have that deep faith uh, faith that we have with in our relationship with God, but then how does it um, how does it motivate me outside of myself and into my community? And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to chat about it. So thanks for um, engaging in the conversation. Absolutely. So that is a NCA podcast for this week. Thanks to everyone for listening. Again, this is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer, and we will see you next time. God bless. Mm-hmm.